Our scripture reading today will come from the sixth chapter of Hosea, verses 1 through 3. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, it's page 639. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. This is the word of the Lord. A prisoner sat on the edge of his bed, staring longingly out the tiny window at a beautiful blue and cloudless sky. It looked so inviting. The brilliance of the sunlight shimmered off the bars and gave a warmth to an otherwise chilling room. For years, he'd been stuck here in this place, a room barely two meters square, with just enough room to turn around. And yet it had become his existence. For years, it was all he had ever known. He was a prisoner on death row, convicted of a crime for which he was guilty. But one day, an incredible message was delivered to him. He had been pardoned. The death sentence that hung over his head had been commuted. The penalty was not just reduced, it was eradicated because someone else had willingly paid his punishment for his crime. The good news that he was free from the death penalty had greatly lifted his soul. But it had been years since that good news had been brought to him. And yet still he sat in a lonely cell, looking out a window, longing for more. The door to his cell was open. All he had to do was to walk out the door to have complete liberty. He knew that he was free from the penalty of his crime, but no one had ever told him that he had been given so much more. Either they assumed that he already knew, or they did not understand themselves the gift that had been given to them. Here's what Jesus Christ came to do for you and for me. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, we have the commission that Jesus confirms in the gospel where it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus Christ not only paid the penalty of sin in his death for you and I, he also has given us so much more. He has given us the Holy Spirit in order to free us to really live. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't turn back around and live in prison. And a few verses later, it says this in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, today we're, we're going to begin an exploration of our freedom because I believe this is oftentimes the missing component to people truly moving closer in their relationship with God. Over the last several weeks, we've explored how God has moved closer and closer and closer to us so that we could live in the communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's given us everything. The door is open. But you and I have to choose to walk into what he's given us. And here's the truth. I, I'm, <laughs> I had fun uh, with a, a logo. And the, the logo for, the, for this series, you'll see, if you'll put up, there's a picture that looks like that's the one right there. Does anybody, what does that look like? DNA. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm glad I, at least I've made it look semi-like DNA. Okay, here's, here's the deal. Most of us... If we're dead honest, we spend much of our lives trapped in our old nature, in the DNA of our sin and our fallenness. Jesus did not come and die and give you life so that you could stay the way that you are. He will meet us wherever we are. We don't have to clean up our life to come to him. In fact, we can't. And when we try, that actually prevents us from coming to him. He has given us his life to pay the full penalty of our sin, and he's nailed the record of that sin to the cross. But he expects us to live out the freedom and the victory he has given us in Christ and not to continue to be imprisoned by sin, by habitual sins in our life, by our old attitudes, by our old nature. He wants you to experience the fullness of, of freedom in Christ. And that's, that's what we're going to be exploring for the next few weeks. Truth is, many believers are trapped in their old identity, just like that logo shows. The DNA of their old nature functions like a prison that keeps them bound. The same habits, the same patterns, the same brokenness and mistakes over and over again. And the good news is, you don't have to live that. Christ will set you free. And today we're going to explore what he's given you and the provisions he's made for you to really be able to live it. Many know that they are free from the penalty of sin. But I want to tell you that going to heaven is not why Jesus came. He didn't just come and live a perfect sinless life so that you and I could escape hell. He came so that we could be united with him. And if all we do is we see our relationship with God as a way that finally gets us a, a rescue out of condemnation, out of penalty, out of hell, when we die, we're missing out on the life he came to give us. 
So what we need to do is find out where there's a disconnect in our own belief, in our own understanding of the scripture, and and explore what does God really have for us now, today, not just in the future, but right now. And and what, uh, knowing what he has, how are we then to live? Is there more than do's and don'ts? Because I firmly believe there is. Is there life for me? Is there joy for me? How can I be free over the habits of the past? Can I really be set free from the old me? Here's the good news. Jesus says, yes. Absolutely, yes. So I want to start with with recognizing that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have given to every believer gifts. Individually, they have given us gifts, and collectively, they have given us gifts that they desire for us to experience. God the Father has given us Jesus the Son to pay the price of sin that separates us from God. Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. He gave himself up for us as a ransom for our sin. But he also gives us a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is why he says, it is good for you that I go away. Because if I go away, then the the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And he asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit so that God would take up residence in your life and in my life. And the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual blessings and the fruit of the Spirit. All those gifts are yours to to live, to experience, and to use to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Jesus sets us free from sin. The Holy Spirit sets us free to live in God's presence and in God's delight. I wish there was a way that I could, I could take a piece of my heart of what the Lord is, the, the small amount of, of faithfulness that has allowed me to taste and see just how good the Lord is and allow you to taste it. This is, I believe, what the psalmist, what David is saying in Psalm 27 when he says, one thing I have asked of the Lord That I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Church, my prayer for us is that we will learn to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. You and I were made to see the beauty and greatness of who God is. Because every beauty we experience in this life is simply a mirror image reflection of the beauty of who God himself is. God wants you to know him and experience him and encounter his beauty, even encounter his holiness. He tells us that we should have a reverent fear of him, but there is a wonder, there is a sense of awe in exploring and seeing the beauty of God's holiness. That he invites us to to ponder, to think upon, to wonder about. The truth is, when you truly discover how good God is, the words of this psalm will come true in your life. 
Psalm 63, verses 2 through 4 says this. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. Is that how you feel about God? Have you enjoyed him to the point where you can genuinely say God's love is better than anything else in all this world? When you do, you will be amazingly free because you'll be free to enjoy all of his other gifts. You'll be free to love others as God loves us. You'll be free to be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sets us free to live, and I believe that the book of Ephesians is a a letter that really helps us see just what God has given us and how we are to enter into that gift. And so that's where we're going to look today, is we're going to look at Ephesians, and then we're going to end with the passage that was read to us from the Old Testament in Hosea. But I want to show you what God has for you, because The step that you and I should make today is to claim these blessings as our own and to look for the things that are barring the way from us entering in to those blessings and using them to express the greatness and glory of God. So let's let's see what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus... This letter was written specifically to a a church in Ephesus, but it is also written to every one of us who's a saint. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, whether you're doing all the things you know you should do or not, you are a saint. So if you're a saint, just say, I'm a saint. saint. There you go. Was that hard for you to (coughs) get out? Some of you, I I could hear a stutter when you said that. Because somehow in our mind, we've gotten a confused idea of what a saint is. A saint is not someone that some commission looks at the things that they've done in their life, does an evaluation and an investigation, and determines, oh yeah, you passed the test, and there are 13.7 miracles attributed to your name. If you don't have the .7, you don't get in, just so you know. I made that up, obviously. Anyway, that's not what a saint is. A saint is a person who is set apart to God. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and desire to follow him as your Lord, you are a saint. So this is written to you, not just to a church almost 2,000 years ago. It is written to you. So let's find out what God wants to give us. Here's what he says in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has everything you need. God has everything you could ever want for you. That's what he's saying. When he says every spiritual blessing, that's what that means. The truest Desires that would bring fulfillment and joy to your life are already yours in Christ Jesus. We just need to make sure that we're engaging with God, what God has already given us. 
He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That's his title for you. That's a good title. To think when God calls you, when he says your name, what he's thinking What you're a part of is the beloved. That is beautiful and powerful. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, with which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now that little phrase is incredibly important. It's not just blessings that come in heaven. It is living united to Christ, living in Christ here and now today. And in fact, when you read through Uh, the book of Ephesians, and really in many of the letters, there's a key that unlocks absolutely everything that's revealed there, and it's the little phrase, in him or in Christ. Because that's what we have been given. In Christ Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing, everything we could ever most deeply desire, everything that we could ever need. All the resources for you to complete God's will, his purpose for your life, all the resources for you to become the person he intends for you to be, that he created you to be, that he saved you to be, those are all in Christ. That's why this is so incredibly important that we understand and believe by faith so that we can live it. All our blessings are treasured up in the person of Jesus Christ, and we ourselves are in him as well. In fact, Jesus is the very air your soul and my soul needs to breathe and experience life and freedom. So what does he offer us? Well, let's let's look at some of these. What are these spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus? Here are a few of them that He's illustrated here in this. By the way, what I just read, I, I love this because this, this, I wish I would have known these things when I was in school because I could have used it as an argument for my run-on sentences. These are all, this is all one sentence, okay? I just, I find great comfort in that. Um, none of my teachers did, but I find great comfort in that. He offers you, first of all, a holy life, verse 4. He says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world so that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means certainly in Christ, when when God looks at you and when he looks at me, if we've trusted him, he sees us through the person of Jesus Christ. So he sees us as completed in Christ, not where we are right now in the progress of time, but who we are completed in Christ. 
But it doesn't just mean that. It also means that you and I should be holy. That he's provided a way for you to have victory in your life over your old nature, over the sins that imprison you, over those attitudes that keep coming, coming up, over those fears that trap you. He wants to make you whole. That's what holiness means. It means set apart to God and made complete in Him. That's what He wants for us to do. God made you and I His image bearers. And we will only be whole as that image is restored in our life. As He transforms us from the inside out to look more and more like the person of Jesus Christ. When you place your trust in Jesus as Savior and follow Him as Lord, sin is removed by the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And as sin is removed, that image begins to be restored. And as we grow in following Him and discipleship, which is becoming more and more like Jesus, that image becomes more and more and more visible. But do you really believe that God can and will make you holy. Now, I don't mean that holy in a self-righteous way where you look down on other people because that is not holy. That's self-righteousness. That's the very thing that Jesus condemned in the Pharisees. He's not saying, I'm gonna make you better than others. He's saying, I'm gonna make you like Jesus, filled with grace and with truth that fit together in a beautiful harmony. Now, how does he do that? How does he transform us? Well, he transforms us by the filling and the work of the Holy Spirit. So he offers you a holy life. And verse 4 also goes on to say, and to be blameless before him. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God sees you as blameless because he sees you and he sees me through Jesus Christ. What's beautiful is, just as we saw in those those snippets of verses in the video, he saw you this way before you were born. Before the creation of the world, he saw the completed work of Jesus Christ in you and in me. Now he knows all of the failures, all of the sins, and he says, I love you anyway, and I want to make you like my son. I want to transform you. So how do we get there? How how do we incorporate into our own lives how to be holy, how to be blameless? We do so by living through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul, in the the book of Galatians, which has just beautiful commentary that that, that parallels what happens in Ephesians, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. If you want to have victory, that means you want to submit control of your life continually over to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, I want to follow you. I, want, I don't want what I want, but you want. I want your will. You take control. You take charge of my life. 
God has given us the power to live as his image bearers through the Holy Spirit. And he can make us blameless, not just eventually, but more and more so in practice. What's more is he offers us a loving relationship. It's not a demand that he's saying, you've got to get things right. He does this in love. Look what it says in verse 5. In love. He's already said, this is how I see you. This is who I want you to be. And, And then he says, in love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at what love really means from a biblical standpoint. And we'll go back to the Old Testament um, so that we understand this, this incredible word that's found in the Old Testament called hesed, which speaks of the love of God, and, and understand the fullness of what this means. But right here, he's saying, God loved you long before you ever loved him or even thought of him. He had you on his mind. Out of love, he chose you as his child. And, and let me encourage you. Sometimes when we read these things and we see the word um, predestined, we can get a little distracted. We can start running down a lot of different trails. Um, and there's, there's value in learning what that truly means. But don't run down that trail until you begin to look and see, well, what is it that God has for me right now? Rather than get distracted by what this might mean or what this person says this means, Let's see just what the scripture says and seek to live it. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Isn't that beautiful? That God wants you. He wants me as his child to experience a relationship with him. He offers you full adoption with all the rights as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What's more is he also offers you purpose for your life. He has a plan for you that he wants to fulfill through the work of the Holy Spirit living in you to bring about these blessings as an experience in your life and even more importantly, through your life. What's more, verse 6 tells us that he offers blessings on your life. Now, these are not the blessings where God's saying, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to have great fame, you're going to have a great career, you're going to get all the things that you want. Can I be honest? Many times, those are the farthest thing from a blessing. If God gave me half of what I want, I would be a wreck. Because most of the time, what I want is not good for me. You know, I mean, we know this as parents. You know, if you ask your child, what does your child want for dinner? Well, of course, they want ice cream with chocolate on top. And I would like it for lunch and breakfast. It's got milk in it, so it's got to be good for breakfast, right? I mean, I can think of all the reasons why I would like that. God wants what's best for us as a loving father. And so the blessings that he has for us are blessings that make us whole in our relationship with him and enable us to accomplish his purpose and his will. So he offers us his blessing on our life. He also offers us belonging in the community of the beloved. Maybe 
Maybe you don't have any physical family, or maybe your relationship with your human family is fractured. They've rejected you. They've forgotten you. They've harmed you. What God is saying is you have a family of the beloved. You are my child with equal rights to every other member of the family. You are desired in my family. He offers you in verse six, a life that is worthy of praise. He offers you full redemption through the work of Jesus shed blood on the cross. He offers you forgiveness by his grace. He offers you understanding of his will because here in the, in the book of Ephesians, he's revealing what his will for your life and my life is. It's not a deep mystery. He offers you unity with others in him. He offers you, in verse 11, a lasting inheritance. He offers you a living hope, in verse 12. And he offers us a guarantee because we're marked by the Holy Spirit that has been given as a deposit on all these spiritual blessings. If God is offering us all these things, why would we not want to receive all that he has for us? And to look for every barrier that is preventing us from not only receiving them, but using those blessings to express a love back to God who loves us more than we can imagine. All the blessings Christ purchased for us, and he, uh, and he delivers them to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. So receiving all that God offers means receiving God's Son as Savior and Lord, and there needs to be a point in your life and my life where we call upon him. And if you've not done that, I urge you to do it today. To simply say, Jesus, I want to know you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you are the rightful Lord over everything. And the promise of the scripture is if we do that, if we call upon the name of Jesus, confessing that we are not worthy, that we are sinners, and calling and trusting upon him, we receive salvation, and he will give us the person of the Holy Spirit. So all these blessings are ours. And in the Holy Spirit, he transforms us from the inside out. I mentioned the fruit of the Spirit before, and, and we'll look at it some more next week in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. But God wants you to have all those experiences, all that transformation in your life. So why do we not have it? Well, part of it is because we do not ask, we do not seek, and we do not believe. Jesus, in his instructions in Luke chapter 11, told us to ask the Lord for the blessings that are most important. He tells this in, in Luke 11, verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We are to ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. 
When you trust Christ, you are given a deposit. That's what Ephesians says a few verses later. You're given a deposit of the Holy Spirit who comes and takes up residence in you. But then we are to ask for a continual filling of His work in us and through us. Because self gets in the way. The will of God for every one of His children is that they live entirely and unceasingly under the control of the Holy Spirit. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for individual Christians or for the church to ever live or work or serve or love as God desires. God waits to give us His great blessings, and in our faith, we may expect it with great confidence if we ask the Father to fill us. Now, one of the reasons that we sometimes do not experience that because it's not just saying the words. There needs to be a transformation in our desires, in our priorities. And that's what I want to show you in closing, just briefly from the passage that was read to us before in Hosea. So I want, to, I want you to turn for just a moment to the book of Hosea because it talks about showers of blessing, these same spiritual blessings that Ephesians talks about. It's talking about in Hosea and how we are to enter into them. So turn to Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. This talks about removing our obstacles that keep us from being filled with the Holy Spirit and experiencing the blessings that God has for us. We need to understand that God only fills empty hands. If my life, if my desires are filled with the things that I want, I will not receive what God has for me. And so the first of that we discover in, at the end of chapter 5 and verse 15 is that we need to empty our hands of all that we have and desire more than anything else God himself. Hosea 5.15, I will return again to my place, this is the Lord speaking, until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. Here's what he's saying here. And if we were to to break down all of of Hosea, he's saying Israel at this time, who he's writing to, has experienced great trials. But God is using the trials. He's using the difficulties to get them to let go of the things that they're pursuing and instead turn around and desire God, to return to him as the chief desire of their heart more than anything else. And that principle is true for each and every one of us. In order for you to have all of God's blessings, He has to become your greatest desire. And He is worth it. Here's His promise. Because here's the thing, if God seems distant to you right now, maybe He is waiting for you to return to Him. To receive, we must return to the source. Here's what Israel answers back. They say, come, let us return to the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 1. Understand that sometimes the trials, the difficulties, the pain that we're experiencing is God's prompt to return us to where we will have life. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. Understand that God uses discipline for a purpose and for a season but he does so to bring us back to him so that we can experience communion with him. 
Verse 2 says, After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. Coram Dea, before the face of God. That's what he desires for you and I, that communion. God's desire is to bring us into a position where we can receive the showers of his blessing. Look at the last verse. This is where we're going to end. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. God wants to shower your life when you seek to know him above all with the blessings of his presence. And he will work through every circumstance to bring you what is best in your life. I want to challenge you over these next few weeks. Begin to read just Ephesians chapter 1. See what God has for you. Ask him if there are barriers in your life, if there are things that you're holding on to that are preventing you from entering into this communion with God and experiencing the blessing of his presence, of being able to live before his face. If you do, I promise you, based not upon my word, but upon the word of God, he will set you free in a way you've never imagined. When you trust in Jesus with all that you are, when you desire the Lord above everything else, he has promised that he will fill you with every spiritual blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus. We are free to receive, but we have to choose. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take the inadequacy of these words that I have spoken and you would transform them by the work of your Holy Spirit into truth that will penetrate the hearts and minds of people. Lord, you desire to transform us, to resurrect us into being the likeness of your son, to be his image bearers. And so Lord, I pray you will do a work in each and every one of us today. You have incredible, immeasurable blessings for us. Lord, let us not have shallow desires, but would you give us a hunger for the very best, a hunger for you that will transform us. Give us the faith to believe. Give us the courage to ask. Give us the persistence to seek you above all things. And Lord, you have told us not only to ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit individually, but Lord, we ask for your filling upon this church. That as a people, we would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that our lives can rightly reflect the image of our Savior. And that we can be empowered to do his work and lift up his praise. We pray it in Jesus' name.